What's up, brother? And welcome to the Becoming Kings podcast. I'm Johnny King, and I'm a life enthusiast, growth mentor, and men's lifestyle fulfillment coach. I've dedicated my life to helping men who feel like they're just not living up to their full potential to level up and become the king of their kingdoms. So whether you've been feeling stuck or numb or extremely angry with not living up to your greatest potential in any area of your life, then I'll be in your ears every week dropping some truly transformative episodes to help you become a man that you're proud to be. I'm glad you're here. Let's get to it. Yo, it's Johnny King. What is up? Thank you for joining me for this episode. You know, a couple, um, not just a couple of months ago, I was going to say a year ago, more than a year ago, COVID was upon us all. And for the first several months, I found myself actually liking it a lot. I liked the stillness. I liked the, the lack of uh, pressure to be anywhere, to do anything. I was like, oh, it's just like it was zen. <laughs> and right before COVID, literally like a week or two before COVID really hit, you know, the U.S. hard, I had started this podcast. It was actually the Johnny King Show, uh, which clearly I've just rebranded as the Becoming Kings podcast. However, shortly thereafter, as if that wasn't enough to take on, I was feeling good and I decided to start writing a book. And the book is also called Becoming Kings. And I decided to start writing it, not because um, I've always wanted to be an author, <laughs> uh, because it's not, you know, writing a book is not really that fun, to be totally honest. Um, it's stressful and challenging and overwhelming and all the things. However, prior to that, having started just at the beginning of 2019 with with kind of shifting my branding from, you know, really focusing on working with women, which I had done from like 2010 until 2018, I, I shifted and just felt the calling to begin working more with men. And I've said this, uh, I've elaborated on this before, but a big part of who I was and what I was doing as a business and all the things that I was pursuing was still uh, the result of kind of an old pattern of finding validation in, uh, in myself from women, primarily women like my mom, women like, uh, you know, my past uh, girlfriends, past, you know, just, just females in general. And so as I began to really start digging into doing more personal development work, I found myself being less and less fulfilled uh, by outside validation, especially from women. And uh, the, the more angst I was feeling about, like, I'm just so not fulfilled and I should be, I should be, quote unquote, so much more, uh, you know, successful or happy and and all those things having conversations with with several women that I highly respect they actually suggested that I work with men and with my story and everything else and that men would potentially uh, join me in the the journey that I was on 
And that journey was trying to figure out what it means to even be a man in today's day and age, you know. Um, and not having had my father around a ton when I was growing up meant I didn't have a whole lot of, let's say, um, you know, behaviors and patterns to unlearn. Although I certainly have gotten, you know, a fair amount of things from my father. Um, but I kind of felt like when I did, you know, come around 30 years old, when, when my life kind of took a dramatic pivot, I found myself being like, okay, uh, who do I want to be? <laughs> what do I want to create? And where do I go from here? And so the past over decade now has been that conversation. And Becoming King's podcast is that conversation. The book uh, is an even greater elaboration on what it means to be, you know, our best versions of ourselves. And Becoming Kings is really just about, like, what does it mean for you to be fulfilled, for you to experience abundance? And the book is not about me telling anyone, the reader, how they should be. It's really just giving you tools to to discover within yourself what it means for you to, to, to be your highest and best self, right? Because that journey never ends. You know, I, I hope that tomorrow... I'm better than I am today. I hope that I take things that I learned today as an investment to be a better version of myself tomorrow, not because I don't feel enough today, but because it just makes me happy <laughs> to constantly grow. I would be so bored with life if there was actually a, an arrival of, you know, <laughs> oh, I've arrived. I, I'm good. I, I have won the game of life. You know, there's always more. There's other there's another. There's always another level. Level, I should say. So I began writing, becoming kings in May, I believe, of 2020, and I started writing for a couple of months, um, and then I just hit kind of a roadblock. And all the things that I loved about the quietness and the peace, uh, it kind of flipped on itself, <laughs> and I started getting uh, really lonely and angry and just unmotivated. And and, and I was just talking to a, a buddy yesterday, even. And I was, I was like, to be honest, dude, I would, I would sleep until like eight, eight thirty, nine, nine thirty sometimes. He's like, oh, dude, I was pushing ten, ten thirty, eleven. <laughs> I was like, oh man. I think a lot of us were in the same boat. We, we don't have like a ton of, especially if you're working for yourself, you don't have any requirements throughout the day. There's no real reason to get out of bed sometimes. So, having said all that, the book itself, I began writing because I felt the need to hold myself accountable to figuring out the framework for what I stood for as a man and what is this purpose and this message and this direction of becoming kings all about because I, guys would come into my meetings of men uh, throughout 2019 and be like oh this is amazing so many guys here this is awesome I love this vibe but what's next? Where's this going? And I, oftentimes I'd be like, ah, dude, I don't know. I'm winging this. I have no idea. I'm just providing value and seeing what the masses ask for. So having said that, my Becoming Kings book, which is soon to be released and published, uh, I hope you grab a copy and tell me what you think. If I'm being completely honest, I don't love it and I don't dislike it but I think that's kind of how it is like when I was in college and I you know I was a, a fine art major actually fine arts and graphic design track 
Um, but I've always been an artist. And most times than not, I, I came to the realization that when it comes to my artwork, it was never, it would just never be complete. There was no, when it comes to an art, there is never really like a completion point. You just have to be okay with the process of being like, okay, you know what? That's good. Now I'm going to move on to the next piece. And so that's how I feel about the book. It's, it's not a <laughs> work of art, quote unquote, but it is, uh, it was an art um, and certainly not something that I, you know, went about it v very deliberately. I just let it kind of flow. And I, I really worked at being in state, being in a motivated, like happy, abundant state, which was difficult during that time. So that's why I took nine months off from writing it and why I'm just finishing it a year later because I really kind of went into the darkness, if you will, of my own soul. But you know what? That's a big part of it because a lot of what I came, you know, came to the realization of on the backside of this, uh, of this like really, really dark period during COVID for me, I wrote into the book because the more I started to share those things, especially now as, as it being 2021 now and doing live events again and sharing the guys with the guys what I've been through, a lot of what I talk about, they resonate with. And so I put it in the book. So what I'd like to do uh, is actually read you the first chapter. Well, almost the whole chapter. There's kind of a breaking point before it goes into like some steps to, to help you process versus things, certain things in your life as well. Um, and I've, I did a, you know, a podcast episode long ago, uh, when, well, I should say long ago, like a year ago, it was one of probably the earlier podcasts about a story of, uh, a trek I was making back in 2016, October, um, where I was hiking Long's Peak and I lost a buddy who I was hiking with to a climbing accident. So there you go. Okay. Introduction, the death of a king. Death is not the greatest loss in life. The greatest loss is what dies inside us while we live. Norman Cousins. I wanted to go back. No, let's not. Okay. Hold on. Stop. I was starting to go into shock. Everything in my peripheral vision was going dark and I felt dizzy, like I was about to pass out. My mind couldn't comprehend what I had just witnessed. My heart was pounding wildly as I stood vulnerable, vulnerable on that craggy, exposed ledge at the far end of the Narrows. We were at an elevation of nearly 14,000 feet with no cell phone reception, seven hours from the nearest ranger station, and my buddy Scott had just fallen nearly 200 feet below where I was standing. I did everything I could, not, I could to not lose my shit. Scott! I yelled down to him. This could not be happening. This must be a dream. No, 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 no. My, my mind was racing. It was nearly 10 a.m. on the brisk morning of October 1st, 2016. Scott and I had been on our way up to summit Long's Peak, a 14,259-foot mountain located in the northern front range of the Rocky Mountain National Park Wilderness in Colorado. This wasn't our first trek together. We had climbed several mountains over the years and become close friends through experiencing many shared interests. I remember the first time we met. We were both health coaches in a predominantly female organization. We had arrived around the same time in Tucson, Arizona for a big work convention. Since Scott and I both lived in Colorado, we were matched up as roommates to share a hotel room. 
Little did we know at the time how much we had in common. We had arrived, he had arrived before me. So when I walked into our hotel room, the first thing I noticed was a large textbook calculator and pencil on the desk near the window. Wait, did I walk into the wrong room? I thought to myself. It looked like teenagers' things, like similar to the graphing calculator I used back in high school. But then I looked more closely and noticed the textbook was all about aerospace engineering. Oh, wow. Smart dude. I like him already, I remember thinking to myself. I was unpacking my suitcase when he entered the hotel room, and we immediately hit it off. He was one of the most genuine, positive, and intelligent men I'd ever met. Prior to our meeting as health coaches, Scott had been a very well-respected family physician. We quickly learned about our mutual fascination with space, stars, and uncharted galaxies far, far away. And within a few short days, and ultimately over the subsequent years, we became much closer, always choosing to be roommates whenever we had an out-of-state function to attend. He lived an hour from me, so we'd often see each other at local events too. And as our friendship grew, we began hiking 14ers together. And that's how Colorado's, Colorado locals, I should say, refer to the 58 mountain peaks in the state that exceed 14,000 feet in height. 14ers. Over our time together, traveling, doing events, and being out in the wilderness, I became increasingly fond of Scott for his curiosity and desire to learn. As we set out on our trek from the parking lot at 3.30 a.m. that fateful morning of October 1st, we immediately began discussing the stars and the Milky Way, which just exploded above us in the night sky. His ability to be approachable and relatable despite the fact that he was extremely intelligent was one of the main things I totally admired about him. And even though he was brilliant, he didn't have an ego about it. He treated me as a fellow human being on equal standing and did not speak down to me. Over the years, he'd become a father figure to me, an example of what I aspired to be as I envisioned myself at his age. And whenever we'd travel together without fail, he would call his wife every evening to say goodnight. They had a love for each other that was so sincere and genuine and tender. I admired that too. Everything about this man was solid. He had made his early career out of delivering babies and now, he was studying to shoot rockets towards the stars. On the outside, he was humble and somewhat unassuming. However, the more I got to know the man, the more I was impressed with the warrior he had within. I could tell, for as gentle as he could be in one moment, if challenged, he could easily stand his ground when needed. He was precise, extremely intelligent, caring, deeply in love with his wife, successful as a doctor, in great shape, loved his kids so dearly, and was excited about life. And he was constantly committed to learning. And besides that, he was a beast on the hiking trail. And if that wasn't enough, he had not hiked a single 14er, a 14,000-foot-plus 14, peak in Colorado, prior to his 50th birthday. In the ensuing 11 years, he hiked nearly 100. And the, the, the man was ripped. He was in great shape for a 61-year-old. And that was Scott in a nutshell. In short, the man was a king. He had achieved a level of life where he was experiencing abundance in all areas. 
and he had nothing to prove to anyone other than himself. He had a hunger for learning because that's what he was all about, expanding his own mind while being of service to others. He was driven because he loved the journey of continually becoming his best self. And the only person he was ever in competition with was the version of himself he was yesterday. And there I stood on an extremely exposed side of Long's Peak, screaming his name down 200 feet to where he lay. As I lived my worst nightmare, a young man's voice cut through the panic asking, hey, you okay? What happened? Weren't you hiking with someone? Making his way down to me from above was a man I now consider one of my two angels who saved me for how he supported me that day. His name was Riley. I was climbing up this rock, this crack in the wall, and, and then I heard my buddy slip behind me, I replied. And when I looked over my shoulder, I, I, I just saw him sliding down the rock face until he disappeared, disappeared over the edge. Is he okay? Riley asked me. Can you see him? Yes, I can see him. I just haven't seen him move. I began to replay everything I had just witnessed. At this point, I was freaking the fuck out inside. Seriously. I was doing everything I could to re remain calm while simultaneously not succumbing to shock and blacking out. Do you have cell service? Riley asked, breaking me from my mental fog. I quickly pulled out my phone and looked. No, not a single bar. Looking at his phone, he explained, I do. I'll call 911. Now, you have to keep in mind, up to this point, everything that had unfolded already had done so in literally less than 90 seconds. And as I was sitting there, staring down the mountain at my buddy Scott, with Riley calling 911, I noticed something else happening. My brain was searching for meaning. Questions screamed through my mind. Questions like, what happened? Did he slip on ice? Did he trip? Did he attempt to take a different route up than I did? Could I have done something to help him? And was this my fault? It was all of maybe three minutes since the accident, but it was that last question that caused me to snap out of it. I caught myself in that moment. Over the previous seven years, I had spent countless hours investing in personal growth, integrating and creating greater emotional fitness. I intuitively knew that to place blame on myself for something clearly out of my control was something that could end up negatively changing the trajectory of my life. And it was a more formative moment than I could have possibly known at the time. Over the course of the next six months, I spent a lot of time digging into why I would ask such a question at a time like that. Was this my fault? Now, I go on to talk more in the book uh, after that about different things that happen in, in nanoseconds. Because I use that story, as tragic as it is, to, to kind of, I guess, paint uh, a picture of what our brains do when we have a really hard time with comprehending reality, okay? And this is me as a, shit, what was I? How old was I? It was 2016. I was 36, 37, something like that, right? Think about when we, when we experience trauma or loss or abuse when we're little, right? So 
I've spent a lot of time coaching over the last 10 plus years and a lot of people feel like they're not enough, that, uh, that they are broken, that a uh, big result of who they are or even their, uh, maybe they've been abused and that it was their fault or their parents divorced and it was their fault. We have a way of sometimes <laughs> living in this bubble where we are the center of it right? We come from a very egocentric uh, experience at times, especially when we're younger and we're less mature. And as a result of being egocentric, we believe we're kind of like the epicenter of everything, right? And so we kind of, we, we go throughout our days and we think like everyone's looking at us or everyone's like, when, if you've done enough, you know, kind of awareness, consciousness work, we start to realize that actually very few, <laughs> very few people care about us, right? Not in the sense of like people who love us. It's like not that many people are thinking about us so much as we are, as much as we think people are thinking about us. Does that make sense? Of course you can't answer, but I'm, I'm hallucinating that you're saying yes. And so that was where had I been younger or having not been doing so much personal growth work, I think that question of, was this my fault? Like I said in the book here in the intro, something that could have taken me down down a very uh, bottomless pit, down to a bottom of a, be- of a bottle, let's say. And I think that's where, uh, where I'm challenging men and, and, and yourself as well, listening to this, because there's got to be things in your life that you that have happened to 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 you that you believe they happened to you rather than being able to look at it and see that something happened for you okay so this was really challenging this was probably the one of i mean not probably this was one of the most dramatic and scary experiences of my entire life to date um i would say it's the scariest yeah, I'm trying to think, like, is there anything else? Sure, I lost my mom. Yes, my dad came out that he was gay. But, like, in terms of, like, the intensity of having a body, uh, you know, have an accident and not make it through, um, you know, if you've served, or I know a bunch of buddies that have served over overseas, you know, during deployments and have had buddies killed in action. And it's, that's, you know, it very well could be even more traumatic than what I experienced, you know. Um, but it doesn't matter because it's still, like, not to compare it so much as it is, like, trauma is trauma. And it's all the the pain and the, the angst and the sorrow that we go through as human beings is actually all, it's very similar, you know, uh, in how we actually experience life. And so I talk about this in this book because um, – you know, out of full respect to Scott and his family and his wife and kids, like, I, I, I have a special place in my heart for, for all of them. And the hard part, again, with this whole thing is, as it is with probably with you and your life, is that things, things probably happened to you in your life. And you don't remember the circumstances. Maybe you were so young, like, you didn't have the awareness as you do now as an adult. So we kind of only can it's like piece little things together, right? To create a story about what happened 
But that story then can change literally, like I said, the trajectory of your life. And so I had to be very, very careful that I did not allow myself to become victim to this story, to this, not I'm sorry, not story, but like victim to a story that I created about this event, this accident. And seemingly I was, you know, again, I was f- 15 feet probably above him, kind of like scaling up this little crack in the wall. And I was like digging my, both my hands into these cracks and kind of doing a little bit of a, like a rock climbing move. And I heard him. And by the time I looked over my shoulder, he was already kind of sliding down this, this ledge before he fell off. And I, and I lost sight of him until he was, you know, hundreds of feet down. Um, and, you know, it's just not to go into the story so much because it's tragic. But we all have our tragic stories. What I, what I want to, why I bring up this and read this part of this book and why I've written the book is to facilitate or to help guys begin the process of doing exactly what I've done. And I'm not done with it. I don't think, like I said, I don't think the, the process ever ends. But it's the process of becoming conscious of maybe some of those unconscious beliefs or stories or meanings that we have associated to an event. You know what I mean? So was this my fault? What happened? Uh, did he trip? Did he slip? These are all the same questions that Scott's family asked him, asked me. And I didn't have any answers. I, I didn't see it. All I, did, all I did was hear him make a noise. And I looked over the, I could only tell them from my experience of what I saw. But I don't know what happened, pr- like preceded that few seconds before, you know, to him slipping off the edge. So we have to be real careful that we don't fill in the gaps with things that we don't know. And like I've talked about in previous, you know, episodes and I talk about it in the book, man, I made up this huge victim story about how my didn't my dad didn't love me, how this and this and this couldn't be farther from the truth. However, that was the that was the story and the lie that I was living by that created so much anger that it dr- dramatically impacted my relationships, my health, the way I showed up in life, in sports, academics, all of it. And so I just challenge you, challenge you to, to look at your own stories and, you know, and, and pick up, a, you know, this book when it comes out because shortly thereafter, uh, I talk about, I mean, I, go, I literally start going into, you know, the decisions I made that day and what those decisions then resulted in that allowed me to either play victim or to play victor, okay? And again, it's a very tragic story and it's not to say that I played victor of that story. It's just like I didn't allow the at that day's events to cripple me or to take away my joy as horrible of, a, of an experience as that is and, and I wish I could take it back and not have been up there with him and to have to still be buddies with him and still be able to do all the fun things that we, we did prior to that but I can't um, as much as I wish my mom were still around as I wish you know as much as like 
but this is the, the journey of life, right? And so the whole kind of purpose of the book, Becoming Kings, this podcast, Becoming Kings, is to begin getting more conscious, more intentional of the things that we do that so often have been very unintentional and unconscious and begin just getting curious, just curious enough to start asking, why do I do what I do? (laughs) I remember for years, years and years and years, I always distasted peanuts. (laughs) This story literally just popped in my mind. And as I was starting to do more and more personal development work, this is uh, even, I think this was actually when I was before my divorce, this was like 29 I was doing a lot of flying and, uh, you know, the, the stewardess flight attendant came by and said, Hey, would you like some, some nuts, some peanuts? Like, no, thanks. And I'm always like, no, I'm, I don't care for nuts. And she walked by and, and I started thinking to myself, why, when did I not, when did I start not liking peanuts? And quite frankly, I couldn't totally remember. What I do remember vividly is that whenever I did accidentally eat nuts, like I'm eating a brownie and then, oh, I realized there's nuts in it, it was in junior high and I had braces. <laughs> and <laughs> nuts and brownie and everything else that you eat, of course, gets stuck in your braces, right? There was no Invisalign. You can pop those babies out. I had this, this metal mouth. <laughs> and I hated getting nuts like that all stuck up on my braces. It was like embarrassing. It was tough to get out, tough to clean. So needless to say, I don't have my braces anymore. I got those off before high school. But she came back walking up the aisle, and I stopped her. I was like, actually, I'll take some nuts. Because my reasoning was like, you know what? I love peanut butter. Like my favorite um, candy is like Reese's peanut butter cups. So why is it that I love peanut butter? I love almond butter, but I don't like peanuts. You know what I mean? Is it a texture thing? So I'm I'm literally having this conversation, obviously, in my mind as I'm sitting on the aisle seat, um, as I'm flying somewhere for work as a 29-year-old, just getting curious. That's why I'm telling you the story. Because I just got curious. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to do a little test. I'm going to put these (laughs) nuts in my mouth. I'm going to put these nuts in my mouth, salty, sweaty nuts, and I'm going to chew really fast. Because if I chew really fast, then they're going to become peanut butter, right? At least that was my rationale. (laughs) And sure as shit, I threw the peanuts into my mouth, chewed as quickly as I could, and I was like, hot damn, I I like these nuts. I was like, no kidding. And so from then on, you know, I started being like, yeah, I'll take some nuts or some sugar-coated. What are those ones? Yeah, sugar-coated. Oh, man, those are so good. So, so horrible for you, how much sugar there is on them, but, like, so good. So that's that's the reason of that story. Is literally, literally, there you go, enunciate, literally, question everything you do you don't have to change it just come back to like why do i do what i do rather than just going through life unconsciously 
because a big part of like your identity as a man, probably the majority of of those things, of those bullet points that are on your <laughs> unconscious blueprint of how you identify yourself as a man, probably a lot of those things are unconscious. And so I just challenge you to become more conscious of anything and everything. And for me, it started really small, which is like, well, why don't I like peanuts? And then it went on from there and there and there. To the point, though, where I utilized that curiosity that when the tragedy of losing Scott happened, I was, I was practiced enough, if you will, to catch myself when I was asking a really shitty quality question. Does that make sense? So anyways, I digress. I'll let you kind of work on the rest, but that would be my challenge to you. Is just go through, through your, your day, the next 24 hours, and see if you can pick out something that you do routinely, whether it be driving the same way to wherever you go or putting on your pant legs, you know, left leg first and then right or vice versa, how you go about brushing your teeth or your like evening routine, what you do in the mornings, I don't know, whatever you do at work, start questioning little tiny things like why do you do what you do? Why do you like the things that you like? See where it takes you. All right? Thank you. As always, we'll catch up with you soon and enjoy the rest of your day. Take care. That's it for this one, and I want to thank you for listening. Hey, if you got some good ideas from this episode and you want more, please feel free to subscribe to the podcast. And if you think others may benefit from it also, share it on social media and tag me in your post so I can say hey. It would also mean a lot to me if you felt inclined to write a review of the show on Apple Podcasts since I read every single one of them. And if you've got any questions or topics that you'd like to recommend or really just anything that you think I could improve upon, man, I thrive on constructive feedback. So hit me up with an email at podcast at johnnyking.com. Oh, and feel free to also subscribe to my YouTube channel, connect with me on LinkedIn, and follow me on Instagram at Johnny King and on Facebook at facebook.com backslash Johnny King Men's Coach. Thanks again for joining me. I'll catch you next time.